I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Could you do me a huge favor and go and check out the show's sponsor at monkeygrips.com? That's monkey with two E's. And give them a follow on Instagram at monkeygrip2 as well. They make these awesome rope grips that you can hang from a pull-up bar. And you can do your pull-ups on there and max out your pull-ups, max out your dead hangs. And then you can take them off of there real quick and put them on some dumbbells and do farmer's carries or just static holds to just blow out your grip even further. They also sell cannonball grips, which is about the size of a baseball. And they attach onto the dumbbells and the pull-up bars the exact same way. And they also sell liquid chalk too. So do me a favor and go and check them out. That's monkeygrips.com. Got a cool interview here with Lionel Bacon. We talk about ultras. We talk about the try-on ultras that we've had the past couple of years. And we also talk about last weekend's Fayetteville Ultra as well. He's a guy I've been trying to get on the podcast. And when I saw him in Charlotte and he told me he was doing Fayetteville Ultra, I said, let's talk after Fayetteville because I like talking about ultras. But here's the interview with Lionel Bacon. Lionel Bacon, what's going on today, man? Not much, man. I appreciate this opportunity to share my Spartan story. Hell yeah, man. I'm glad to have you on. Uh, but let's start off with a you know a little bit about your background, like where you're from, what you do for a living, how old you are. Okay. All right. So I am uh, originally from Louisville, Kentucky, but I live in Richmond, Virginia and have been here for a long, long time since college. And I came here to Richmond, Virginia on basketball scholarship and played four years at VCU and graduated and then went into graduate school, got my master's in athletic administration i am uh i worked 20 years for the ymca and i now serve as vice president of uh, development vice vice president of philanthropy for a large nonprofit that serves youth and i raise uh, I, I work with the team that raises money to heal kids and i am uh, I, I will be 55 uh in 12 days on may 30th oh wow man that's pretty awesome yeah you miss working for the Y or do you like what you're doing now a lot better? Yeah, I love I love what I do right now because it's more like running my own shop. You know, I'm the kind of the the top of the, the food chain in philanthropy. I, you know, I manage the team and I really enjoy that. Yeah, and that's cool, man, because, you, you know, you're giving back to the kids too, man, and that's really cool. That's exactly it. What do those kids think about you going and doing the Spartan races and stuff? <laughs> well... Because I'm in the administrative section of the uh, of the organization, I don't I don't have daily contact with the kids, but the the uh, the ones that do know and the staff um, appreciate it. I also coach AAU basketball and right. high school basketball, and I they're they're well aware of it. I inform them of kind of what I do, and they they respect and appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Um, so when you got out of college man did you still want to like pursue playing basketball I mean I know that had to be like a passion of yours I actually didn't and I, I was kind of a rare case in that you know I had, I had four great years of basketball and finished you know as, as as team captain two of those years but I didn't I didn't have this lifelong dream you know I had it as a kid but in college I didn't really have the lifelong dream of playing basketball from there and I was offered the opportunity uh, at the end of my senior year and senior season to go into graduate school and it made total sense so I turned down professional basketball contracts in Europe and stuff like that to 
to get a free master's degree, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Right. What did you just kind of lost the passion for it or something? No, I still had the passion for it, but not to the point where I thought that I was going to dedicate, you know, the next five years of, you know, five to seven years trying to get to the NBA. I had aspirations of just kind of being a professional. There you go. I mean, I'm sure you probably made the, you made the long-term right decision, you know, getting the education, man. Yeah, exactly. I can't count, you know, I, I wish that I'd have done more with my education when I was younger myself, man. I, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I've, I've got a pretty good, I've got a great job, you know, and I'm, I'm yeah. very blessed, but you know, when you look back, you, you always say I could have done more, you know? Absolutely. And That's when, with everything, a lot of things, you know? Yeah. And when you're young and growing up, man, you think you got it all figured out, man. And <laughs> man, I, I don't think you really got it figured out until you reach about 30, man. <laughs> you're right. Or, or after sometimes. Because, I, man, to me, life got easier in my 30s, man. I was sweated at everything in my 20s. But when I got into my 30s, it was like everything was laid back. And even now into my 40s, man, I just feel like more laid back, you know, like the little stuff, you know, that used to bother yep. you. You know, it just doesn't yep. bother you like it used to, you know. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. You see things different. Everything is perspective. That's right. So tell us how you found out about Spartan and, you know, how like your first race went. So my, my entire life, I have maintained and made a commitment to physical fitness. And when I was playing college ball, I was all, you know, I, I, I tell people I, I didn't lose a sprint from my sophomore year in high school on, you know, for about 20 years, I didn't, I never lost a foot race. And and it wasn't just that I was faster than everybody else. I just didn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like I outworked everybody else. I was the hardest worker on the team, my four years there. And then even after, you know, I never, I was just really intense with physical fitness. So I stayed in the highest level of shape. And then 2018 Easter in my neighborhood, there was a cook, there was a, um, they had a little we had an easter egg on for the kids and this girl had on a shirt a spartan race shirt and i had heard of it Mm -hmm. and the funny thing is i had seen a show years ago and there was a special on robert killian and they talked about his sons and his training and this spartan racing right and i admired it and i appreciated it but i didn't really you know it wasn't like man i've got to find one it wasn't until 2018 when i saw her and i asked her i said you've done one and she said yep I said, how was it? She said it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. I went home, looked one up, and it, so that was April of 18. I looked one up, and there was one coming in July of 18. I got in it, and 14 months later, I was in the world championship. Awesome, man. I so- did four sprint that year, and then from there, I just, you know, I fell in love with it. And now I'm ultras and 35 races in. Heck yeah. Where was that first race at? Do you remember? Yeah, it was, uh, it was in the uh, DC Maryland race. So how did I drove up 301? So how did, how did it go? You know, like you, you, you're on the field, you know, you're registering and you see everything. So how are you feeling, you know, before the first race starts? Did you go by yourself or did you have somebody with you? So my family went, my Mm -hmm. wife and my three sons, uh, who were really young at the time, but so they went with me and, you know, I was confident because again, I had stayed in the highest levels of shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I had talked to a couple of people. I had watched some YouTube videos, but I'll tell you, 
the obstacles, I was I was 23 for 23 on the obstacles. And I that's kind of where I still excel is on the obstacles. Right. But the running and the terrain totally caught me off guard. It was so much harder than I thought. Mm. And I'm a competitive person and uh, uh, competitive toward myself, as in I always think I can be better. And so, of course, once I did one and I got that finish time, I knew I could have done better. So I signed up for another one and then another one, then another yeah. one, then 30 you know, I'm 35 races in. Right. So, so you run clean on your first race. You got all the obstacles. Every one of them. That's awesome, man. There's and not the a lot road, of people that can say that. <laughs> right. And, and on the rope, I hadn't researched like the ass soaker J hook. So I just powered it up with, you know, with just arm over arm and just went up, touched the game back down. Heck yeah, man. So I... the obstacles weren't my thing. I had to become a runner. Right. Yeah, that's one thing that they don't allude to when you do these races. You know, you think, well, it's a trail race. You know, there it's probably clean cut trails. You know, it, you don't yeah. expect for it to just be bushwhacked. And sometimes it ain't even that. It's just where they pulled the tape through a forest and you got to make a way through some brush. You know what I mean? That that was exactly it in Fayetteville this past weekend. I missed an obstacle up there. And that it was exactly that, that they didn't mm-hmm. even cut the I mean, you had to, you were pushing down weeds to just follow the tape. Yep. <laughs> so. it, they had some gnarly paths at Fayetteville this, this past weekend that they, they, that ultra loop was definitely very technical. And I, I, in the past I years, people, I don't remember that. Yeah. I tell people, so that, that was my first warm weather ultra. Mm. And I tell people that on that ultra loop, it was tough. It was a, it was a Spartan race in itself on that ultra loop. Yeah, it was Those two hills, the obstacles out there. I mean, it was, it was a tough loop. Yeah. I sprained my ankle on that loop, man, and had to finish the power through. Saw. Mm, it was rough. Wow, <laughs> Man, hats off to you. Yeah, man. I got my foot sitting on an ice pack right now. <laughs> I'm sure I saw the pictures. It ain't too bad, man. It's just, you know, I work maintenance for a hospital, so I got to I gotta walk around all day, man, right. tote ladders yeah. and do ladder work. So when I get off work, man, I have yeah. to start rehabbing it a little bit. But, yeah, man, it, wow. it, it was tough, man. But I knew that if I would have stopped when I could have kept making forward progress, yep. that yep. I, I'd have beat myself up wondering if I, if I could finish. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. So, Wow! Yeah, hats off to you, man. I saw the picture, and it and it might make the recovery take longer because of that. But oh yeah, I would imagine at least I'll get to take pride in that I was able to finish. You know. Yeah. So I know. So like, it sounds like to me, you know, you finished your first couple of races, and 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 you were hooked, right? But what about the race made you hooked? What made you want to sign up for the other one? Was it just the excitement of the competition or the obstacles and the running? I'll tell you. First of all, I had been challenged like I had never been challenged before athletically in that first race. You know, I, I, I was perfect on the obstacles, but the terrain, the running, the uphill, the downhill, the mud, the heat, mm. the all of that, which just made it really hard. Um, but I knew from that very first race, I knew I could do better. So the so the opportunity to go back and challenge myself, I I was sold from there. You know, I did the four sprints and then the and then I qualified for the North American Championship, which was a beast. But I had never done one. Right. 
So I ended up, my first beast was West Virginia, mm. which was a monster of a race yeah. that for me that first year. But I ended up doing well enough, you know, to qualify to get in the world championship. Um, but yeah, that, and you know, I, I, after that, uh, I had done a super. But, you know, it, it's the opportunity to compete against myself right. and really, really be challenged with a tough race, a, a tough, uh, a tough um, contest. Yeah, that's what that's what draws me. And West Virginia is always a good hot race that will <laughs> make you cramp. And I don't know what it is about that swim, but it's just long enough to make you cramp yep. when you get out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I pop mustard right as I go in it, knowing that it's inevitable to, you know, you can't avoid those cramps after. Yeah. That's not a bad idea to be proactive on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I always take mustard before I get in that water because I know that cramp's coming. I usually will like take like electrolyte pills, but that's probably not a bad idea just to hit some salt that's right on the tongue right as you go in yep. there, you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So after you did your first few races, it sounds to me like you purposely just started training for this kind of new sport that you discovered. That's exactly what happened. So I, you know, I didn't really play basketball anymore. And, you know, the other part of the coin is I had a horrific injury in, 2016 that um it was a really bad injury from just playing basketball and nothing crazy or but it was just a horrific injury and then i had surgery that mm. led into a very bad staph infection where i almost died that's no fun and i was at my lowest mentally um spirit you know physically just in every way and i came out of that a stronger, tougher person. And so when I stumbled into Spartan racing, I just, I, I, I had given up basketball. I didn't play basketball anymore. And I had been training hard, you know, just to be in shape, but Spartan racing, I was able to add more cardio and kind of become a runner and then add some other specific type things that would help me in races like bucket carries mm. into my runs and stuff like that. So I started, you know, since 18, I have specifically trained for Spartan. Awesome, man. That's cool, man. I, I, I love talking to people that just are, you know, enthralled by the sport, you know, and get into it like that, man. It, it, yeah. it excites me and empowers me too, man. Yeah. And, it's it's my craft, you know. It's yeah. my craft. I don't do tough mutter. I've never done rugged maniac. I've never done anything else but Spartan, and I'm not interested in trying anything else. <laughs> I mean, they're fun in a different way, but I mean, you've been to Spartan as many Spartans, you know, as a lot of people have. One thing that Spartan has is it has this community of people that strive to be, you know, competitive, but still it's like a community that's a family too. And that's what's, and that's what's fun. You know, I don't know how many friends that I've made, you know, just from going to races and hanging out. Man, that is amazing. And I, I tell people that just the connections and you know i go to races and i see tons of people that i recognize and even though we're competing we're encouraging and supporting and and cheering for each other it, spartan is it, it has really been an amazing experience in front in terms of just meeting people with kind of the same mind state that you know we're going to get out here and compete and have fun but really push ourselves mm. 
So I was looking through some of your races that you did, and um, I noticed that you did the 2019, uh, the Tryon Beast, that day where it rained all day and it was muddy oh, as it could wow. be. Yeah. The, the famous. Yeah. The famous 2019 Carolina Beast. Yeah, I, yeah, that was an experience too. But I'll tell you this. I, for me, it was tough and it was really, really muddy. But because I run age group, I was out of there by around noon and it got worse after that. So even though it was, it didn't, it didn't rain a ton. Right. Um, during, you know, before noon, but it started to sprinkle a little bit around 11, got a little hard at 1130, Mm -hmm. but nothing, you know, nothing like it did after. Plus the temperatures dropped, but Mm -hmm. hats off to anybody that has a medal from that race. Yeah. I did the ultra that day. (laughs) Oh, ouch. Yeah. But man, it was, it was like you said, you know, you see the weather coming, you know what to expect. You know, Spartan yeah. comes to town, the weather usually gets bad. You know, you walk into yeah. that race mentally prepared to suffer, man, and it doesn't catch you <laughs> yeah. off guard. I, and I was ready. I didn't, most people talk about how miserable it was. I wasn't miserable. I mean, I loved it, man. I was the I was the pig and slop at that race because I was ready wow. for it. You know, I tell you, the other two races that I've done that, you know, just proud medals, and I'm proud of all of them, but are the two ultras the past two years in Mm. the North Carolina, South Carolina race in November. Yeah. Where the temperatures have been just brutal. Oh, God. I've I've excelled in those. You know, all three ultras that I've done, I've come in fifth place in my group. Yeah, I remember coming to to those, uh, the water stations at those last two years and the water's being frozen on the top in the cups. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I know those were cold. Maybe we'll have better weather at the Newberry venue we're going to just because it's changing venues. Same time of year, but maybe it'll be better venue. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm already in that one. Yeah, me too, man. I try on an awesome venue, you know, if when it's not pouring down rain, it's just a a beautiful venue and a a lot of different scenery there. That's I've always told people if that was their first ultra, that that was a great first ultra for them to do. Yeah, those were the two I had done until last weekend in Fayetteville. Yeah, so I saw that in your post after you did your first ultra that. You know, that was like you were hooked and, and that was your distance. And and what about it made you feel that way? Because it was so hard. Mm-hmm. It, plain and simple, because it was so hard. And when I when I did my first sprint, you know, I asked myself, could I do that twice? Meaning get close to a to a super. And then when I did my first super, can I do that twice? Meaning complete a beast. When I did that first beast in West Virginia, when I finished. And I asked myself, could you, could I have done that twice to complete an ultra? I didn't say no, but my answer was absolutely not. I didn't say yes. I was stuck. And then the same thing when I did that 2019 in Carolina, it was the same thing. That ultra really, really pushes you and challenges you. And I have found that I really like that. I learned a lot about myself out there alone. See, I feel the same way. You know, the ultra is the race that's going to scare you the most. It's going to make you feel like this might be a race that I may not finish. And that's the excitement that you get. You know, there's some, that fire jump means more when you go across that finish line in an ultra than it does in a regular beast or super, you know. 
It absolutely does. Before I did my first ultra, I sat my sons down, hmm. who at the time would have been somewhere around five, seven, and nine. And I sat them down and I told them that I've heard that you don't do your first ultra, you attempt it. And there's a chance that dad may walk back through this door without a medal. But if I do, I'm going to show you how to walk in with pride and keep your head up and know you gave everything you have. And I also told him that if I do walk in here with that medal, I'm going to show you how to how to have your head up and be proud but humble at the same time. Hmm. So I prepared my sons in case I did not complete that first ultra because I knew what I was walking into. Especially with the temperatures. Yeah, man, it was those both of those years at Tryon were rough. It was super cold, man. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So you decided you were going to do your first ultra. How did you prepare for it? Well, the first thing I did when I knew that I wanted to do one was I bought ultra gear. Hmm. I bought an ultra shirt. I bought the purple uh, tall compression socks. Um, I bought all that gear and then I sat in the corner of my room and I let it sit, never touched it, never wore it until I felt like I had earned it. Mm. So I let it sit there and I would take pictures of it from time to time. And um, so the training for me, again, since the obstacles haven't been my issue, it's where I've had to become a runner. I just significantly increased my running, which um, where I was living in in, in the time, you know, I don't know if you, the name Ahmad Aubrey rings a bell. Yeah, I'm, I know. But so that, you know, there were some issues around that and where I lived at the time here in Richmond, uh, part of town, that kind of thing. But, you know, I had to I had to get in just hours and hours of running. And then I turned up my strength training. I cleaned my diet up more. Um, and then just the mental prep of just kind of knowing what I was going into. So. But yeah, man. Um, yeah, that ha- I'm. I live in Georgia, so I'm very, you know, aware of that whole situation, man. It was. It was awful when that happened, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you get to your first ultra. Yeah. And the race starts. What is your strategy to finish the race? What's the plan? Um, what What I kept telling myself in my mind was that. I could do this all day. I could do this all day. Like the pace that I had, I was telling myself, I can do this all day. And because I had set um, a time goal, not not a... So in other words, most people, when, when, you, when you start a race, you set your watch so you can see what mile you're at. Right. I didn't want to know that. All I needed to know was what time it was because I, I had a goal of when to finish. And I had set a goal of 11 hours mm-hmm. based on a guy who was 10 years younger in phenomenal shape and another guy who was 16 years younger, but not in as good a shape probably. And so I, you know, I based my time on, uh, on that and came up with, I figured I could do it in 11 hours. Well, you know, that entire race, I was just telling myself that, you know, I can do this all day. I can run. I've got, I've got this in me. So it was really just a matter of picking up that, that cardio and just telling myself I've, I've trained for it. I'm ready for it. This is going to be a long battle. So, so strap in. So how, so how did it go? Like, did everything you planned, did it work? You know, what went right? What went wrong? Well, every, everything went well. Um, my pace 
race was amazing. Um, I beat my time by a bunch. Um, I ran it in nine eighteen versus eleven. Right. Um, came in fifth place. Every, you know the cold. It, I what my gear. I hit that on the money. You know that was exactly right down to, from my ski mask to my gloves mm-hmm. to I I. Everything went well, with the exception of at about 17 miles in on the uh, traverse, my gloves dropped out of my pocket. Mm. And so it was a matter of finishing the rest of the race with no gloves. But other than that, um, everything went well. And I, you know, I, I, I remember finishing and not thinking immediately that I loved it and that I was going to, I couldn't wait to sign up for another one. That, that didn't hit me until about two days later. Right. Because when I finished it, I was just in awe of how hard that was. Yeah. When I finished my first one, I was like, I'm one and done. That's it. You know, because it, yep. it was hard, you know, cause yep. I did my first one in 2016 and there wasn't, but a few places you could go. You could either go to Tahoe, Killington or New Jersey. And that was the first Ouch. year they did it in New Jersey and like my, and I was like you, you know, I was probably only running like 15 miles a week at the time and it wasn't enough. And man, my IT bands were bothering me so bad at the end of that race. And I was just like, Nope, this ain't me, man. This ultra stuff, it ain't for me, man. And like, I've done 14 of them now. So I, and it's, (laughs) it's like, I love the, I love the preparation and the strategy that goes into it, you know, because You have to fuel, you know, you have to hydrate, you know, you have a drop bin and you have all the, you know, all the different extra dynamics that come into this race as opposed to like a beast. You know, you can throw a few gels in your pocket and, you know, you'll be fine for a beast. But when you do an ultra, it's, it's different, (laughs) you know, different ball game. So how do you handle like the transition, you know, what do you usually have in your bucket or your, you know, whatever your drop bin or whatever to prepare? What's your strategy going through and your goal? So, so it's funny before my first one, I reached out to, um, a few people just to say, Hey, what do you, what do you put in it? And so I had an extra pair of shoes. I had an extra pair of socks. I had food. Um, I had a box of chicken broth that somebody had told me about. Um, so I had a, you know, had a few things, extra fuel here and there, but when I got to transition, um, I literally took a swig of the chicken broth and I opened up a package, um, that had like a couple little candies in it. Didn't even eat it, zip that back up, put the top back on it. And I just went, took on off. Mm. So I didn't really stay in transition. And then after that first race, I reached out to Robert Killian to say, Hey, I think I can run an ultra with no bucket. What are your thoughts? And he said, man, I, you know, you probably could, but I would have it there just in case you never know what's going to happen. And that, that stuck with me. And so I still do, you know, the extra pair of shoes, Mm -hmm. the duct tape, the, you know, because that's a great point. You know, if you have a catastrophic shoe blowout at mile two, you're in trouble. That's right. You're in trouble. You know, you can you can run another fourteen and get to your bucket. You can grind through it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm the same way. I've got most of the stuff that's in my drop bin is for emergency, but yeah. I do. I'll only take enough fuel and maybe like a little bit extra for to make it through one lap. And I just wear like a little flip belt, you know, that you just yeah. slide off like a pair of pants. 
Yeah. And so I have another one locked and loaded, ready to go. And I'll just slide that one on. And I'll usually have like some Performalite there, you know, just some more caffeine, yeah. just to drink. And it, yeah. it Fayetteville, you know, when you know that race is going to be hot, like I froze a bottle of water. I had two. Wow. I had one in my drop bin that I left in the drop bin so it would stay cold and stay frozen longer out yeah. of the sun. So after the race, I would have a good cold one, you know, in case nice. all the water was melted at the finish line. And that one that's sitting outside, that one's just for dumping over my head when I come into transition because I know it's going to be hot and it works like a champ. Wow. <laughs> and, wow, I got to try. I got those are great tips. Yeah, and you just leave it on the outside because last year, I left it on the inside and it wasn't melted all the way. So only like about half of the bottle poured on me. And I was like, well, I'll do that next year. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's, that's, those are good tips right there. Because last year, the drop bin area was kind of like in a shadier spot. It was closer to like the side of the woods, but, uh, gotcha. But, uh, so yeah, you, you do try on your first year and yep. you finish it. You sign up for it and go to it next year, and you almost cut two hours off of your time. So, what did you? Yeah, what did you do different? Well, the biggest thing is I knew what I knew what to expect. Right. I I knew what it was going to be like. The only, but the problem was it was even colder. Mm -hmm. So, but my gear, I hit it right on the head. I I literally did not stop at my bucket at transition. I literally just ran past it. So that you know. but it was just it was just in knowing what to expect and right. knowing what kind of mileage you know I was going to put on and knowing what kind of fuel I needed so um you know my first year when I did it in 918 the winner did it in 7 in my age group and I said there's no way he's human hmm. to be to be that age and do that in 7 well li- little did I know I'd come back and do it in 73655 and shave you know, shave an hour and 42 off of it. And when I ran that, I felt like I could have got down to like 640. That felt good, didn't it? It did. It felt really good. It felt really good. It was, you know, but the key again was just, I went in knowing what I was up against. Right. That's awesome. That was everything. That's awesome to hear you say that, man, because you said you looked at somebody's time and he was your age and he did it in, you know, he did it in so fast and you're thinking, how, how did he do that being, being this old? And then you went and did it the next year, man, that (laughs) I know that felt good to you, man. I know that felt good. It did because I specifically remember sitting at my office desk and looking to see what time won it when I came in fifth and to see that he was two hours and 18 minutes faster. I literally remember saying, He's not human. How do you how do you get down around seven hours over fifty years old? Well, again, not knowing, I'd go back and run seven thirty six. Mm. So I'm not human. So I'm going to tell you something, and I said it on an, an older podcast too. I think while I was talking to Joey, but uh, there was a guy that was I want to say he was he was sixty plus, uh-huh. and. Uh, or it was either 60 plus or it was 55 and up. Uh-huh. And he did Killington two years in a row. And the first year he did Killington, I want to say his time was like 13 hours. And wow. last year he was first place over all of the age groups. All of them. What? Yeah. 
Sure was. I, I saw that and I was like, that's amazing. He cut three hours off of his time. Wow. It, it was amazing. And he he didn't have he doesn't have like an Instagram or nothing. I was gonna reach out to him because I wanted to bring him on and interview him, man. Because I just thought that was that was amazing to me. Wow. He waxed all of us, bro. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is that is super impressive, man. I you know I see some guys out there, man, and you know ladies too, man, mm-hmm. that are just impressive athletes, man. And it just you know it fuels me and it and it pushes me, you know. Yeah, man, and 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 what's crazy about it too is is you know people around us that you talk to, they'd be like, "Well, I don't see how you do that." You know, you're in your forties, and I and I say, well, "There's there's women and men out here in their sixties doing it too, man, and yep. loving it." You know, yep. and older than that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I just wish that I'd have found this in my twenties, man, but I don't think it was around that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing. I wish I would have would have run into it earlier but i kind of like where i came in at because right. you know when i when i signed up for my first one i you know i knew i went into it feeling like i'm not your average 50 so of course i want to race against the best of the best in their sport and so just picking up pieces of information here and there mm-hmm. you know it just the competitor in me to the ability to and desire to compete against myself is really really strong so you know i already know what i can do to to excel in fayetteville next year and and you can you can you know this is going to be on the podcast but i will absolutely be on the podium this year Mm. i know man i was i noticed your results you've gotten fifth place a bunch of times and i was thinking this guy's going to be on podium soon (laughs) i got a i got a fourth in virginia and i missed it by very very little um but I, yeah, I will absolutely, and that's a guarantee. I'm going to be on the podium this year. Hell yeah, man! I like to hear that. Like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so coming into this this past weekend, coming into Fayetteville, you know, you know it's going to be a little bit hotter race, man. So, what is your your mindset? What's your strategy? Tell us what you were, what how the plan was going, and how if it worked, and just tell us how the race went. Well, going into this one, my the biggest variable for me was, you know, I've I've always said, even before Spartan racing, that I'm an athlete who can perform in extreme, extremely hot temperatures. I've always felt that way. Well, when I did that first West Virginia beast, I started to rethink that. Hmm. But you know, that that's that's it's just a different animal. That race is always so, hot. It is. It's a different <laughs> animal. So, you know, doing my first two extremely cold weather ultras. I started to think, well, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm actually a cold weather athlete, and I knew that this past weekend in Fayetteville, I was going to find the answer. Am I or am I not? Well, that was one variable. The other variable, which is probably bigger, is that I've got a very serious issue going on in my left knee that mm-hmm. I probably need to. Well, I'm going to have surgery probably at the end of the season, but you know, I could probably stop and do it now, but I don't want it to cost me this season. Right. So that variable going into that was how, how, how much will my knee allow me to do? Um, and, you know, how much can I push it? And the irony is that to run, my knee doesn't hurt as it bad, as bad as it does to make fast cuts and jump. And there's not a ton of that in Spartan racing. There's some jumping where you're coming down from obstacles. Right. 
or you're jumping a little to, you know, get up on something, but I can do all those on one leg. There's nothing so high that I need to jump off my dominant left leg. So I, I just do it off my right. Right. So, so my knee held up, uh, but that temperature was, uh, was, was pretty extreme. And I had set a goal of trying to do it in either eight, nine or 10 hours. And uh, so also with, with the issue going on in my knee, I wasn't able to train and get as many miles in. So those were all kind of factors in it. Right. Um, but, you know, so I wanted to do it in eight, nine or 10. And my first cold weather ultra I did in nine, 18 and my first warm weather last weekend, I did in exactly 10. So, um, you know, knowing I can get, I can do significantly better than that, you know, with the information I have and, and the learning. So I was, uh, I was very happy with the results. Yeah. And this was a, it, this was a tough setup for this race, you know, cause, um, usually like this is, was, we did this whole course path more or less in reverse. Cause usually we'll do the beast part first, you know, and run around that field, kind of how we come in. So you did all the obstacles pretty much up front, you know, cause you did the, more or less, you did the super course first and then you did the beast and the ultra beast loop. So that made it really front heavy where it's usually back heavy and not to mention yeah. we got wet within a mile. So <laughs> I was telling people that they were asking me, you know, uh, you know, uh, what are the differences in some of the races? And I was saying that this one was crazy because even the spear throw was early. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot that just threw me from, and I never look at the order of the obstacles because again, the obstacles aren't difficult for me. Right. So I don't, it doesn't matter to me, but I wish I would have looked mm. when I got out there and I see the, the barbed wire crawl and we're at the dunk wall and we're, you know, we're not a mile, we're not two miles in and yep. we're in water. And I'm like, man, that one just caught me off guard. Yeah, no, we had wet feet within a quarter of a mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, so, I mean, if, if if people change shoes because they wanted to dry their feet, I mean, at the transition, they were wasting their time because they got wet again within a quarter of a mile. Yep, bingo, wet again. Yeah. But, so, I know the hottest part of the day for me was, like, probably when we were finishing up the first loop and yep. you went through Tyro and then it seemed like you were on that dirt road and that white sand was reflecting back up in your face. Oh, man. Man, that was rough. It got hot quick. About after 10 o'clock, it started getting hot. Yep. Mm. Yep. You know, it's part of part of the good news on that, though, was that you were, a lot of times you were, you were under, uh, like, the cover of, like, the, the canopy of the woods. Yes. So that helped a little bit. But I tell you, where that sand was... Mm. Man, that was that was brutal because sand makes my hips hurt, and I was unaware of that out there on the court. Oh God! Yeah. So the yeah, so that was a that was a big shocker for me. That caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting to that part. I was trying to get back to the woods like as quick as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So. You said that the obstacles using aren't any problems for you. Did you run clean for Fayetteville, or did you fail anything? Of the of the sixty eight, I think there were three or four that I missed. Right, and one of them was a careless mistake on an obstacle that I have only missed once in thirty five races. Oh wow! And that's the uh, twister. Right. 
I got to the second to last ring, misjudged it. In other words, I was thinking I was at the last one because I go backwards. Right, me too. Yeah, I go backwards. So I got to that last one, I, the second to last, thought it was the last, and I kind of spun around a little bit. I reached out for the bell, and I missed it by about an inch. And I come down, and the, the volunteer is standing there, and we 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 I come down, and we're, we're looking at each other. <laughs> we're, we're, we're looking at each other, and she says to me, sweetheart, you didn't hit the bell. And I said to her, I absolutely didn't, and I took off on the penalty pass. I took off on the on the uh, penalty loop, hmm. but that one, that one, that one cost me. Yeah. You know, it, it was just a just careless error. You know, I should have been a little bit more cautious. And and you know, once you get the obstacles down pat, you know, unless the weather's just really crappy, that's yep. that that's how you fail it. It's just like a a, a mistake, you know, a fluke. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep, so, I mean, you, exactly you right. can't really beat yourself up when something like that happens, you know. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm just yeah. glad we don't have to do burpees anymore. <laughs> man, I tell you, burpees, game changer. Oh, man. But for also, real. for a guy like me, think about it from my perspective. I'm I'm at my best when the so, – so if, it, if, if the sport caters to a runner. Right. Who's, who's 20 pounds lighter than I am. Mm-hmm. It caters to him to not have to do burpees. It caters to me when that race is tough, it's muddy, it's hot, those Atlas stones are heavy, the terrain is changing. All that caters to me. So the burpees out of it, don't get me wrong, I love that there are no more burpees. (laughs) But it means that I've got to go to the next level. Right with everything else because the sport has just changed more toward my competitor. Yeah, I feel the same way, you know. I mean, there's way faster runners in my age group and I'm I feel like I'm better at doing the obstacles too. Yep. But I'd still I'd rather them have an advantage running and me not have to do burpees anymore too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So um so what else did you fail? Um let's see, I failed that one, the rope on the second loop. Mm. And then the um, Olympus on the second one. Right. Mm. Yep. Yeah, Olympus is hard, and uh, and that's probably one of the ones that still is a failable one for me, like when the weather's bad or if it's wet or muddy or something like that. You know, and they didn't have the balls on it, you know, either. And I don't know. I think, like, they put the balls on it when it's the super, but not when it's the beast or something. I'm not sure how they do that anymore. You know what? I didn't even know that they're – I always thought the balls were there until somebody said it this weekend. Right. Yeah. I, I thought they were always there. I don't use them anyway. Yeah. I usually use the holes, but if I get in a jam, I'll grab a chain, you know. Yeah, I'm the same. I only use the holes. Only. Right. Yeah. Well, man, I, I hear you. I know you got you know got to stop soon about six, you know, and I hear you in the car now, but I, I always ask people the same questions when they come on the show, and we're getting close to an hour here anyway. So uh, my first question is, is, you know, to this day, out of all the races that you've done, what's been your most favorite race and why? Okay. Um, I would say that my favorite race has been the November Ultra. Because it's cold. Um, it's, it's an amazing challenge. I like the distance. I would I would have to say that's that's my favorite race. The other 
and I can't believe I'm saying this, but <laughs> the West Virginia Beast mm. would be another favorite because it has everything, everything. you want. And those that those two hills, yeah. Though I've I've seen those break people. Yep. I've seen Me people too. sit down. Yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen it break men. So I would say West Virginia is second, but absolutely that that beast. I mean that ultra in uh, in North Carolina, which you know now is going to be South Carolina. But that right there, I love 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 that race. It's funny you said that. My buddy Jeremy Wilner, you know, he is super fast. You know, he owns my age group most of the time. Uh-huh. And he was running that beast in one of those steep hills. I passed him on it, and he was not having a good day, and he quit running wow. beast after that race. He only does supers and sprints now, and I mess with him all the time and try to get him to come back to doing beast races. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Well, look, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed, man, but, you know, in the, the the longer the distance, the fewer black guys there are in it. Hmm. And especially my age group. Yeah. There are, all, like, I can't think of right off a black guy I've raised my age group in an ultra. Hmm. But, but when I think of, you know, the sprints and the, the supers, there are guys that I see at those regularly, but yeah. I don't see those guys in the ultras. I know my buddy Michael Strobel, he, he usually will run ultras, but this weekend he ran the beast. But, you know, he I usually will, he'll be at New Jersey and Killington some. I know Killington. I, now, but he's I'm, not your I'm, age group. Yeah, I'm almost twice his age. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you, that, that's another, you know, you talk about people you've met. You know, man, I can go on and on and, like, just give you names, and I bet they're the same people, the – the Alexandras, the Anis, the uh, the Amber Kleins, the yeah. Tay Menace from uh, Tay Mems from um, Solid, the yep. you know, Quan. I mean, I can just uh, our Marquette from Northern Virginia, DC area, uh, Chanel and Black Spartans, which is an amazing group. Uh, I can just go on and on. You know, the Mike Strobel's man of just quality people. Yeah, that I see on a regular basis at these. My buddy, uh, I can't remember his last name, um, Ben, he's a tall guy, but he, and he played basketball, I think what he was telling me, but he was right in front of me. We were running. We ran a lot of the uh, ultra together, and uh, we both jumped the same ditch, and I saw him jump the ditch, and I was like, that was a good idea, Ben, and about the time I jumped, it was when I rolled my ankle, and he went on, and he got re- dehydrated real bad and ended up cramping so bad. I think he tapped out at like mile 24 or 26. Are you serious? Yeah. His Instagram's Uncle Ben's Rice. I don't know if you follow him or not. No. Is he dark skinned? Yeah. Man. Short he hair? Out? Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. He's cool, dude, man. I love that guy. I, th- we, I passed him on the death march last year at Killington, too, man. He's really jam up guy. I know that was hard, him taking that DNF. But he said he said he didn't. He had a half marathon that he was training for too. That was coming up in a couple of weeks, and yeah. uh, he uh, 
he didn't want to he didn't want to finish the ultra walking in and at that point he knew he was going to have to walk the rest of it so he just decided yeah. to go ahead and cut his losses yeah. I'll tell you, man, I've, I've got one DNF on my 35 race, and that's the world championship in 19 to a really bad injury and hypothermia stage one, and it haunts me. Oh, that was the year that it snowed so bad on Saturday, right? That's it. That freak storm came in that night. Yeah, I was glad I didn't go to that race. <laughs> it, it haunts me because it's been in other countries ever since. Right, yep. Hmm. And so when it comes back here, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll promise you I will be ready. Hmm. But that haunts me that I got that DNF. I tore my calf on that double sandbag carry. Oh, man. Which, which was right after the eight hanger, so I was freezing cold. Oh. Yeah, that freak storm came in that night. You know, and that's bad, too, you know. They make you get, if you fall off, you get wet on ape hanger, and then you yep. have to walk yep. with double sandbags, yep. and that wind yep. freezes Uphill. you. Uphill yep. and downhill. Yep. It was a recipe for disaster yeah. right there. I was glad I didn't go to that one, brother. Well. So I think you just answered my second question. My second question was what what race did you dislike the most and why? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, you know, I enjoyed that that race until you know I got hurt. But the other, you know, my answer to that would have been also my first beast that was so hard. Right. Hmm. Yeah, but now you know. Now you're hearing me say it's one of my favorite races, my second favorite race. Yeah, because I agree with you there. The The venue's beautiful. you got technical terrain. You've got yeah. hills, and it's you've got flats. It's just a fun venue to go to. You've got, you've got weather as a factor with the right. heat. Right. You know? mm -hmm. And you got the you swim. Got that, I was going to say, you've got that swim with shoes on. Yeah. It's going to tax your shins, shins and calves. Right. So cramping up is absolutely guaranteed when you get out. Yep, absolutely. So, my last question is, is what is like your race weekend prep? You know, like, do you have like a certain go-to meal you do Friday? Like a breakfast on Saturday morning? Do you do like a certain supplements? Like, what is your, you know, what's your secret, man, to like your, your race ritual? So my, my metabolism is kind of high, and I've, I've stayed in shape all my life. So about two weeks, so my diet is fairly flexible up until about two weeks out. Two weeks out, I clean it up significantly. I'm, re, I'm really good year-round about my water, my hydration, so that's fine. But the, any type of race, any distance, I like a, uh, a high-carb uh, Italian meal. With, you know, either even if it's pizza, but I like... Uh, Fettuccine Alfredo, something like that. Yeah. The night before, and you know, as funny as it sounds, the morning of, regardless of the race, I really have to force food down because on race morning I don't have an appetite. Right. So typically for me, it's a 32 ounce bottle of Gatorade is, is what I put in me. Mm. I'll take a Cliff Bar and maybe force that down, but I just don't have appetites on race morning. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't really have much of an appetite, but I just eat something for fuel more than yep. just because I'm hungry, yeah. Right. Yep. So, so do you have, like, anything that you're, like, superstitious about that you have to do, you know, before you do a race? Or, like, something you swear by, you know? 
race is always on my mind heavily, but it gets real when I lay out what I'm going to wear. Right. When I think through that process and I start that, you know, from two weeks out, you're watching the weather, and then, you know, come, and I start thinking through what I'm going to wear. But once I, when I start laying it out, you know, what type, you know, am I going compression socks or a thicker, like, Nike elite sock or... Am I going uh, long sleeve shirt? Am I going short sleeve? Am I go- am I pulling my hair up? Because once my locks get wet, they're heavy. And so, am I putting my hair up? Am I letting it hang down? And you know, so once I start laying all that gear out, it's real, and I'm locked in from there. And that's typically about four days out. I, I start planning exactly what it is, and then two days out, I lay it out. And just kind of go through it, you know, just to make sure I've got everything I need, especially for an ultimate. Right on. Well, Lionel, man, I'm out of questions, man. Is there anything you want to add here? Um, you know, just kind of in closing, man, I, you know, since 2018, I have fallen in love with this sport. My sons have done them. Um, you know, they'll, they'll do a couple this, this year, a couple more this year. I'll, you know, my hope is to do 15 to 16 races this year. Awesome. I've incredibly enjoyed the, the people that I've met and the experiences I've had. And uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity from Smart to, uh, to share my story. And I've, you know, I've encouraged people. I just, I just got a call, um, uh, a text on Monday from a colleague in Texas that I haven't worked with or talked to or seen in 11 years. And she just told me, she reached out to me because she's doing a Spartan this weekend in Texas and wanted information. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, people see that I'm doing it, they get inspired and want to do it. So I, I love that I can have that impact. That's awesome, man. So, I mean, tell people where they can, like, you know, follow you or if you want people to follow you, man. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and the handle is at LBacon. 34 and it's F letter L and then bacon like bacon and eggs 34. That's my uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, and on Instagram and I'm you know, you should be on Facebook for every request. It's Lionel Bacon. I've got a, a million Spartan friends on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love to chat, lend any advice, and you know, pick people's brains as well. Cool. What's the next race you got planned, man? All right, so my next race is of uh, so here I, I do this thing where. Because I have young sons, and I, I, I try not to be away from my family um, as much as you know, I try to cut, keep that to a minimum. Right. So I'll go to a city, like the D.C. Maryland race. I'll do the sprint twice on Saturday, and then the super twice on Sunday. It'll give me four races in one weekend. Right. I, and I, I'll drive up and drive back and miss no time with my family. Right on. And so my next races are... I've got the West Virginia trifecta. I'll do all three. And then after that, the four, which is D.C. Sprint, uh, D.C. Um, um, Super twice. That'd be four races. And then I'm also going to do Asheville. Whatever day I go, I'll do that race twice. Uh, that'll be seven, eight, nine. And then um, I've got the uh, Ultra in uh North Carolina, middle, uh, excuse me, South Carolina in the middle of November, and then I may add one or two depending on where they are geographically in my schedule. Cool, man. Well, hey, man, I'll see you in Asheville. I think that's the next race coming up will be Asheville, right? Yep. Okay, sounds right. That sounds right. Yep, Asheville before uh, West Virginia and D.C. Yep, that's right, Asheville. 
Well, cool, man. Well, hey, Lionel, I, I appreciate you taking time to do this, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, you have a good evening. Hey, you too. Speedy recovery, man. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Lionel again for taking time to talk to us. I want to apologize. I had some recording issues. Luckily, I was recording with two devices. Otherwise, I would have had to have scrapped this episode because of the noise. So I had to play around with some settings and I got a new microphone and I was able to clean this version up way better than the one I wanted to use that I was recording. But anyway, just bear with me, guys. Got a learning curve going on for me here. My next race will be Palmerton, which is a good thing because I need a few weeks to recover this ankle. It's way better, but I'm still walking with a little bit of pain. Most of the swelling has gone down. Um, so I'm hoping for the best and going stir crazy because I can't run. But anyway, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, I forgot to say my buddy, Michael just got engaged and this was a huge surprise to me. I actually kind of thought it might've been a joke at first because he didn't say anything to me about it before he proposed. But anyway, Michael Robertson, Mary Girth, congratulations to you. And you better invite me to the wedding. That's all I got, guys. We'll see you at the next race. Peace.